Hey, everybody. Welcome. Um, it's gonna, you're going to have a couple of funny moments with me where it looks like I'm getting a word from heaven. Um, but there's a giant, I wish I could show you this, there's a giant screen, um, like our normal screen that we would project lyrics onto that has all of your faces on it, which is unbelievable. Um, I, I, uh, I'm like overcome with joy. So if any point I get distracted, uh, it's just because I'm just overwhelmed with seeing so many of you uh, here today. And, um, and if it looks like I'm just getting a word from heaven, it's just because I'm looking up. Uh, I'm going to try my best to kind of look, <laughs> look into the camera here. Um, as you know, uh, or maybe you don't know, uh, Pastor Rick and I, we spend a lot of time together throughout the year. Um, we do like a family vacation together in the summer. We pray together. Uh, we try to sharpen one another. Uh, and we spend a lot of time listening, listening to leaders, listening to our elders, listening to our prayer teams, which Rick just highlighted, uh, which have just had so much impact uh, actually in this past season and a lot of influence on our church this year. And so part of my role is just to kind of gather these things up every Vision Sunday and just ask, all right, Lord, what, what have I sensed? I have like a, a folder on my phone that just says Vision Sunday. And it literally is just over the course of a whole year, just collecting and collecting and collecting and collecting thoughts and anecdotes and dreams and prayers and things that happen that just seem significant. And as, we, as Rick and I and other leaders are listening to the community, uh, it allows us then to go, okay, Lord, it seems like this is where we've been. And now it seems like this is where we're going. Are there some larger themes that we are supposed to set our eyes on? So I was thinking actually back on the last three to four uh, Vision Sundays that we've had. <clears throat> um, there was the break the jar theme. How many of you remember that? Break the jar. Uh, that was uh, geared around, that was the Vision Sunday we actually did at North. It was North's first year of having been launched. Um, the value of the possession is seen in the intensity of the pursuit it was this whole theme around like seeking the Lord. Um, the in our time theme has come up multiple times over the years. Uh, it made its way, kind of this, this big idea made its way into the song that we recorded together. We won't move till you come. There was this recognition of our powerlessness and our need to be led by God. Uh, last year, uh, the theme was, but as for me, and it was based on Micah 7, 7, I will watch in hope for the Lord. I will wait so watching and waiting for God, my Savior. It dawned on me that all of these themes that have marked the last couple of years point back to the verse that lays at the foundation of our church. If you're brand new with us, uh, it's this verse Habakkuk 3.2. It's this prayer that this prophet is looking out at the wreckage of the world. Uh, he utters this prayer and he says, Lord, we have heard of your fame. We stand in awe of your deeds. Renew them in our day, in our time make them known. This has always been a verse for us about asking God, like, will you do what you have done before again? Lord, would you lead? Lord, we know what you can do. Lord, would you bring love and would you bring life to us? So it's like the last few years have just been God saying, like, keep going. Keep going. There's more. Keep watching. There's more. Keep waiting. Go deeper. Deepen your trust so I can deepen your joy. Deepen your intimacy so I can deepen your power. Deepen your faith so I can deepen your hope. Deepen your awareness so I can deepen your generosity. To so keep going. The phrase then 
that came to mind as I was thinking about all of this was, was play the long game. Like you're not in a sprint. I think God keeps bringing us back to different versions of the same vision because we are being invited to play the long game. Uh, the first verse I want to look at today uh, is 2 Chronicles 20. And the backstory to 2 Chronicles 20 is, is uh, there's a lot here, but I just want to just touch on this. Uh, some people came uh, to this man, Jehoshaphat, who is leading this army. Uh, and we read that a vast army was coming against him. And he asks everyone in his tribe to pray and to fast. He does not know how his people are going to avoid disaster. So we find Jehoshaphat. He's, he's equipped, but he's not equipped enough. He's ready, but he's outnumbered. He's a strong leader, but he doesn't have a workable military strategy. And so Jehoshaphat cries out with this line. And you may have heard this like repeated over the last year in different places uh, in all three congregations. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All right, sounds like the dream, Jordan, you had. <laughs> the, the line, that line, that declaration, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That line has shown up everywhere in my world this past year. Morning prayer, leader gatherings, team nights, altars. I've had colleagues that have preached whole series based on this verse. And it makes sense, really. In a year like 2020, this seems like a pretty good declaration, right? Just repeat this back in your, in your living room, wherever you are. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Feels like a declaration of trust, right? At least to me. Like, God, we trust that you'll provide. So when I came across this line, when I first um, sort of allowed this verse to seep in, I was immediately reminded of another passage in John 5, uh, 19. And in John 5, 19, we read, uh, this is uh, the words of Jesus. It says, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself, he can do only what he sees his father doing. But whatever the father does, the son does also. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these. Now, what image do you get when you read this verse? I, I, I always think of Jesus having a sort of like, um, like a supernatural vision. Like he can just see things that other people can't see. Now that very well may be part of this, but that's actually, um, that's actually not what's really being addressed here. What's being addressed and fleshed out is this idea of apprenticeship. Will you say apprenticeship? Apprenticeship uh, is a little bit rare in our modern Western world, but there's still plenty of places where it's normal and expected things. Uh, it's expected thing. And basically what it is, is like you would see in this context, a son would follow uh, the father in the family business. Apprenticeship in this context means literally being side by side with the son, often the oldest, watching every move that dad makes and learning to do it in exactly the same way so that one day the son can do it. This is how all sorts of traditional skills are handed down from generation to generation. One scholar, N.T. Wright, he says uh, that these verses about Jesus seeing what the father's doing. Like all I can do is see is, is what the father's doing. He says it's like a parable 
or a story about how sons can be apprenticed by their fathers. Now, apprenticeship is actually all about the long game, right? Like fixing your eyes where they need to be so that you can become who you were created to become. I remember um, piano lessons as a kid, like trying desperately to follow every movement and every position. Uh, Any sport that I was into, I was always glued to the best players. I put in, I tried to put in extra time. I remember this one soccer coach with the coach, just keeping my eyes fixed. I remember in basketball, just like watching how certain players that were better than me handled the ball, how they shot a free throw. If you've ever had someone like teach you how to, uh, how to draw or paint, right? You just keep your eyes on their movements and keep trying and echoing and, and recommitting kind of over and over to keep going. The trick with apprenticeship is always to keep watching because, you know, one day it's going to be on you. One day. I'd say uh, if you're serious, if any of us are serious about being apprenticed by anything in your life, you're someone who understands what it means to play the long game. So over the last four years, God has called us over and over and over again to a version of the same vision. Watch for me, wait for me, learn from me, pursue me, don't get out in front. Play the long game, sanctuary. Play the long game. Keep the bigger vision of what I wanna do in mind. Now committing to the long game can be hard to keep going to focus on deepening our walk with Jesus is tough. It's tough because we, all, we want something new. We want new, we want immediate, we want sensational. There is so little excitement for the slow and steady work that God wants to do in us, right? I know no one wants to amen that, but can we amen that, amen. right? Like there's not a ton of enthusiasm watching and waiting. Refusing to act before God does can be hard. Signing up for true apprenticeship is easy, but committing to daily habits, like committing to daily habits for the long haul, not so much. We get addicted to the new, right? New programs, new initiatives, new hype. I don't know if Rick feels the same pressure, but every year when Vision Sunday rolls around, I just, I feel this weird pressure, like, all right, what's the hill we're going to charge and the thing we got to announce and everything in our world is just geared at new. Now I, anybody who knows me knows I love new things. But what I get concerned about is so many of us don't see that without commitment, you remove all the depth from your life. Commitment produces depth. We're obsessed with the new, but I'm telling you, it's almost always shallow water. Your relationships without commitment are gonna be shallow. Your work that you do without commitment will be shallow. Your faith without commitment is going to be milk. Your church without commitment is going to be shallow and impotent. Hear me. Commitments turn vision and commitments turn dreams into reality. And it's in moments like this, 
And by this, I mean the monotony and pain of 2020, that our commitment gets tested. And it's here that we can see that we cannot afford to get our eyes off God. We cannot afford to rely on lesser things because this is a real problem. I honestly um, believe that the greatest threat to our church, the greatest threat to the church is a vision of independence and luxury that makes us not have to rely on God. Traditionally, this is called mammon. It's like sophisticated independence from God. And whether you're poor or you're middle class or you're wealthy, it's a threat. It's a threat to becoming a faithful apprentice of Jesus. If you, um, I hate that this is true, but I feel like this is true. If you were to ask the typical person in the world, what do you want for your life? You'd hear something like this. I want to be successful, have like be well-adjusted, have well-adjusted kids, uh, get them to a good school, have enough money for retirement, have a few great vacations a year, and then multiply that by 30. And if you were to ask the typical Christian, what do you want from your life? You'd hear, I want to be successful, well-adjusted, maybe have kids, enough money for retirement, and a few great vacations a year times 30. Church, our life vision is too often so similar to everyone else's. J.I. Packer once wrote, God's vision for your life is not a comfortable middle-class life. When the church's vision is reduced to personal peace and affluence, church is dead. It's lost its prophetic voice in the world. The typical person today is all about, it's understandable, right? This is the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy. It's all about personal peace and personal affluence. Are my people fine? Are my people fine? Do I have enough? End of story. But we have to steward what we have. We know this, right? We know this church. We have to steward what we have for the sake of others. This mammon idea, what it does, why it's such a threat, is it seizes our vision of what life is supposed to be about. If we're not careful, our church can just exist to facilitate the exact vision that is identical to that which everyone else is running after. The church at its worst has the same vision of life and just kind of uses... Um, I don't know, like uses Jesus language to kind of dress it up. And we end up asking Jesus to kneel to our idols instead of keeping our eyes on Jesus and allowing him to shape our dreams and allowing him to shape our callings. We have to be committed to the long game with Jesus. To see the wonder in the monotony. To always be re-clarifying God's vision for our lives so we don't lose the plot. We have to ask each other as we head into 2021, are your dreams fueled by the Spirit? We've got to ask each other that. Are you driven by the hope of one day being able to say, I can really only do what I see my father doing? Like, does that drive you? That question has been the most challenging for me preparing this little message for you. Sanctuary, are we ready to keep going. And now maybe you're like, I don't know. Maybe, especially if you're new, maybe you're like, I don't know, Andrew. I don't know, Rick. I don't know, Jocelyn. Like, am I ready to have a deeper walk? Well, a quick test would simply be like, are you showing up? Are you showing up to the things like that you know you need to show up for? Whether that's things in church or things that you've been disciplined to do, like showing up for first seat, 
You're showing up for a 50-minute online service streamed to your couch, which, by the way, no shame. But if you can't do that, I am just legitimately worried for you. Legitimately. Are you asking, how can I grow? Are you taking this wilderness moment that our whole world is in right now and asking, God, prepare me. Increase my trust. Use this season to increase my trust in you. What might you teach me in this time? See, to have a vision to play in the long game means that we're always watching and always waiting for what God has for us next. We're patient. We want to be patient, wanting God to restore and empower us. One of the partners in our church um, texted me this past summer. And um, he, uh, <laughs> he, um, yeah, he, he wrote this. I have this up on a screen here. I've been, I've been reflecting lately. So he texted me this. I've been reflecting lately and wanting to share some thanks When God showed us that sanctuary was where he was calling us, we kind of knew why, but we weren't perfectly sure of that. Then as we got to know the church, your love in action, we started to gain more understanding. He wrote, the past couple of months though, he has really opened our eyes to why y'all are real. You show people what Jesus is like and are honest. You love well. And when a tough subject comes up, you don't run or play hide and seek. You go through it. The heart that you've shown in regards to Black Lives Matter has truly blessed us. You've given us resources and a place to talk, a way of contacting you if we have questions. Here's the the part I want you to hear. God is healing our hearts and our prejudices. I honestly don't think a year ago I would have been in a place, I would have been in a place to truly allow God to touch my heart. But because of your openness, I've been able to deal with uncomfortable issues as you've all led in love. Amen? Amen. This is a picture of someone who's playing the long game, allowing the spirit to move, doing the, the hard but joyous work of allowing God to keep working. So I want to let you know as we head into the new year, we're committed to seeing more of this. Playing the long game means that in a world with so much toxic division, We will continue to be a safe place where people can grow and learn and flourish and ask questions and doubt and where we don't confuse grace-filled correction with cancel culture. All right, second quick story. I had another friend, a leader come to me absolutely livid because he and his wife had received a $600 stimulus check. This is just a couple weeks ago. I think he said something to the effect of, did anyone like look at our tax returns before sending this? He was just unbelievably furious at the government. He called me up and just said, all right, who needs the money? This man is in his 60s on the eve of retirement, still wrestling with the way of Jesus, still asking, how much can I give away? His vision for his finances are so radically different than most 60 plus people that I've met personally. This man has been playing the long game, trying to keep his eyes set on God, watching and learning and growing. Now, as Rick highlighted earlier, as we've watched and waited, God has faithfully brought critical needs to our front door. And we've been able to respond and we wanna keep going. There are a lot of people whose finances have been hit hard this past year. 
People who have never had to consider asking for financial help before are now asking. Never mind those who were struggling before all this happened. So we're actually asking you today, just as one more little piece of where we're going this year, we're asking those who received a check from the government that they don't need, a check that was just going to go into savings or pay for some new patio furniture, we're asking it to go to those in need in our community. As it says in Acts 4, God's grace was so powerfully at work among them that all, uh, that there were no needy persons among them. So today, you can actually give a give uh, to the Advent offering and we will track any $600 gift that comes in and make sure it goes directly to some specific things. One, a young couple in our church who needs some medical bills paid ASAP. Two, another couple who uh, we want to provide medical insurance for. Three, a single mother in our church who could desperately use some significant months, like a few months or more of rent paid. And then four, someone uh, here um, who we would like to pay off their crippling debt that they incurred via something just horrible that happened. We're good, right? We got this? We're going to take care of this in the next few minutes? Yes? All right, good. Okay, last, I want to land the plane here. Turn with me to Matthew 25. Last quick passage here, Matthew 25. Jesus is uh, telling a story about the kingdom of God, what his way is like, what it looks like to participate in his kingdom. And he says in verse 1, uh, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Real quick, if you're brand new to the way of Jesus, brand new to all this language, I don't have time to explain it all. Hang with me. Trust me, it'll, it'll still make sense. <laughs> Ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here comes the bridegroom, come to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up, trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both, of, both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in and with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Truly, uh, it says, uh, sorry, at the very end of that passage in verse 13, it says, therefore, therefore keep watch. Keep watch. This is a story about waiting, watching, being ready for what's to come. So for today, there's a lot we can say about this passage. For today, all I want you to take away from this story is that you are responsible for your own flame. No one can tend to it for you. You are responsible for keeping your eyes up. And so as we head into 2021, we're committed as a church, as leadership, to provide more resources and coaching and courses to help tend that flame. Uh, we're rolling out new learning communities in the next couple of weeks, uh, putting together some on-demand courses. 
uh, this spring in our home churches, we're working to create environments where learning is deepened and mistakes can be named with grace and help can be offered and received. But we need you to tend to your flame. We need you uh, <laughs> to come with that oil. For some reason, I just imagine Greg Johnson saying that. We need you to come with that oil. <laughs> even when there's hardship, even when it seems like God is a long time coming, like it says in that passage, we need to be watching and waiting because watching and waiting for God is really just about trust. Trust. Trusting that God's way, that his presence, that his timing is always good and always beautiful and always true. According to scripture, the only thing required of you, like for God to direct your path, the only thing you have to do for God to direct your path and order your steps or put you in the right place, the only thing required is you trusting him. When we trust, he will lead. Say that with me. When, when we trust, he will lead. When it comes to God's preparation, when it comes to God's design, God's plan for your life and our life together, it's never rushed and it's never delayed. Let me say that again. If our eyes are set on Jesus, his preparation, his work in us is never rushed and never delayed. God is preparing us. So pray for your church. Pray for sanctuary. Pray that we would as a community and a family see him clearly in this new year. I want to let you know a few more uh, just quick things in 2021 that relate to different congregations, but just some things just in addition to what I've already mentioned. One, we're beginning uh, to just dream about what safe in-person gatherings might look like. We have no dates yet on the calendar at all, but we recognize that uh, we'd be able to do something safe, um, that as the numbers drop and the vaccines rolled out, we want to be ready for that moment. And so we're beginning uh, to kind of put some, some energy and creativity around what that would look like uh, soon, hopefully. Two, as sanctuary has expanded and home churches have grown, we have this sense um, that God's showing us what a new congregation in the Newport Jamestown, North Kingston might look like. Uh, God's actually using this online moment in some very interesting ways. Uh, and so just be praying for that. Uh, we have grants uh, and coaching and human resources ready for more mission outposts. We need those people who have a dream from God in their heart to start a new mission or ministry. We need you to raise your hand. And if you want to know more about that, just go to the Start Something button on our website. Central and Eastside are launching a new Sunday online platform in the coming weeks that we believe is going to help uh, us connect more as a family and reach more folks um, in this next season. We'll share more about that next week. Uh, and I mentioned before, uh, we have some uh, amazing learning communities coming down the pike this month. Some spiritual direction space uh, led by Jen and Adam, Christianity 201 community, emotionally healthy stuff, marriage course, maybe even a dating course someone's dreaming up. <laughs> and then lastly, due to some increasing demand, we have put together some of our favorite sanctuary worship songs from this past year, and we're putting out an album that's going to come out before Easter. So we're excited about that. Look, of all the things that we are dreaming up, and of all the things that we are hoping for, 2021 is not a year to make predictions. It's a year to make promises. Predictions about reopening and vaccines and masks and lawmaking and the economy. 
It's all about the immediate. It's all under that umbrella in some way of the new. No, no, 2021 is a year we make promises, not predictions. Promises that say, whatever comes our way, we will keep playing the long game. Our eyes will be fixed on the author and the perfecter of our faith. And so Sanctuary North, Sanctuary East Side, Sanctuary Central, to the restless, to all those here who are restless, waiting on God does not mean inactivity. Waiting is a refusal to move without first opening your life up to God. May you have a hopeful attentiveness to God's leading. North, East Side, Central, all of you who are tired, to the tired, I just want to say to you, rest. Playing the long game requires holy endurance. And that endurance comes from the Jesus who says, I invite the weary and heavy laden to rest. It says in Colossians 1, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience with joy. And to all my dreamers out there, where are my dreamers at? My merciful hearted friends, my friends whose cynicism towards the church is really just deep disappointment. Let me just say that what other people call idealism might just be the burning prophetic imagination of the spirit. And it is a gift to the church. Plant your feet firmly in the word and speak what God puts in your soul. There's a lot of work to be done, but I know that the church the big church, and I know we at Sanctuary Church will emerge in her full glory and become who she was created to be. God wants to prepare Sanctuary to thrive for generations to come. And he has given us a vision of who we are to be in this region, of who we are to be in Elmhurst and who we are to be in Manton and who we are to be on Blackstone and who we are to be in the Jewelry District. Every year, he seems to tell us, keep going, watch, wait, seek, listen. I am preparing you for more. So, to close with a different verse in Habakkuk. The vision, it says in Habakkuk 2.3, is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming... Wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. May that be so. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, we praise you and we worship you for this band of misfits that you have knit together. And so as we come to the communion table, will we find ourselves bound together in greater unity, centered on that which matters most. We pray all this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.